I V M. Welcome to All Things Policy, a daily podcast supported by Pragati, a flagship media initiative of the Takshashila Institution. We're a bunch of policy nerds based in Bengaluru, and we like to bring a fresh perspective to Indian affairs and an Indian perspective to global affairs. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us for today's chat. Hello, and welcome to our latest episode of All Things Policy. I'm Harshit Kukreja. And today, as my guest, I have my colleague Leah. It's her debut in all things policy, and I think on podcast in general. Hi, Leah. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Hashit? Fun, fun. So a few weeks ago, we were having a conversation around sex ed and how maybe in this particular case you need some kind of government, a curriculum based nudge. Maybe you need it. Maybe not. We will discuss it on this podcast. and uh, yeah so leah also has a lot of experience in teaching she has taught in teach for india and i think you spent a good one and a half two years there right two years yeah was it fun it was fun i i learned a lot it was a great experience being exposed to education system at the grassroots level and not just within the classroom but at the community level at the local corporation level you know interacting with the parents interacting with the community the school um basically all stakeholders i think there's a lot to learn a lot of perspective to build and it's especially uh, helped when working here at takshashila so in building perspective and understanding policy so yeah i definitely derived a lot of joy and from my experience at teacher india so this was pune right yes pune from 2017 to 2019 i still think it's pune but yeah all right <laughs> <laughs> yeah so let us start from tfi okay do you think the schools you were helping out with or what teaching students in hmm. did they have adequate sex ed curriculum did they have first did they have sex ed in their curriculum second were they doing it were they teaching the curriculum part so a curriculum in sex education did not exist while i was there officially or officially okay. officially did not exist and there was no one teaching it as well this is a maharashtra state school yeah yeah okay. in pune hmm. so in kothrud so while a curriculum didn't exist as teach for india teachers i know that some of us tried to introduce it in conversation with students whenever a situation or a question related would come up but as far as i know a curriculum did not exist in the schools that i was working so your conversations around sex ed were reactionary yeah reactionary mostly because for example in the school that i taught there was an organization that came sort of as like a volunteer event that they held where they were mm-hmm. distributing sanitary pads to mm-hmm. students and i remember the boys were kind of kicked out of the classroom and kept elsewhere while the girls were kept in the classroom and they were just handed out pads by this person and the boys didn't understand why they were being kept out of the classroom and of course this was fifth i taught fourth and fifth grade so mm-hmm. they were at an age where they might not have understood because some of them also did not know what sex was and i found that there's a lot of a conversation that had to begin at a very rudimentary level there was a lot to have to talk to them about and 
we're not also really taught on how to handle a conversation like that. So did they ask you, like when the boys came back, did they ask you why you kicked them out? Was there a conversation around it? And do you think it was important to kick, to separate and only give the menstrual product to the females? I think maybe there could have been, uh, some of the girls were were equally not in the know, as in they did not know how a pad would be used. Because again, it was fifth standard. Hmm. So it's relatively young for uh, most of them in my class. Mm -hmm. So I would have thought actually a session with them separately, yes, made sense. But maybe the boys could have been brought in later. And kind of, if there were professionals there, they could have navigated the conversation. Okay, I think I might disagree a little on that because that is the same reason why you have like single gender schools. Right. I definitely think the parents would not, in a government sort of a state board school Mm -hmm. in the periphery of Pune, I don't think the government, the parents would be very happy when there's a conversation around sex ed or menstrual products with the boys also, the males also present in the room. But then I suppose we could discuss how that can be implemented actually in schools or at at an education level such that it's not separate but inclusive to all and it removes the taboo altogether. I suppose we could introduce that into our discussion today. So before we proceed, can you give us like a short TLDR on what sex ed is? What does it include? What it doesn't? So... By my understanding, sex education would include an understanding on sexual intercourse, Mm. the reproductive systems, gender, gender fluidity, sexuality, menstrual cycle, cycles. And yeah, that's about it. Do you have anything to add as a doctor? Yeah, so (laughs) yeah, also an emphasis on contraception. Yeah. Plus uh, an emphasis on consent. Plus, identifying sexual abuse, trying to prevent sexual abuse and who to reach out. Yeah, exactly. For, if you think, sort of the, at least a good touch, bad touch conversation yeah. and telling them, so we are open to, you can come to us, teachers telling them, you can come to us if you feel this is happening with you or you can go to your parents mm-hmm. or maybe your grandparents, your aunt or somebody so that mm-hmm. you can just go and have that conversation with you. Other than this, I don't think anything is too important. And yeah, so when you're talking about gender fluidity and everything, I think because it's 2023, 20 years ago, I would not have said this, maybe 20 or 30 years ago. I don't think I existed 30 years ago, but yeah, still. <laughs> so 20 or 30 years ago, I would not have said this, at least not 20, 30 years ago, that now it is quite important to introduce and include LGBTQ rights and gender diversity and gender inclusion into a lot of conversations. Yes. I remember, I think this was 8th standard. So I started in a CBSE school. This was, so the teacher made sure that the chapter on reproduction was as dry as it could be. There was no conversation. Even though our biology teacher was like quite conversational, she would all all your doubts and blah, blah, blah. But she didn't want to have a conversation on reproduction in 8th class with Mm -hmm. a mixed crowd so she just wanted to like get it over with and a lot of past she also I think skipped or did it how was your experience of sex ed in schools I mean in my school itself I don't think I mean there wasn't a specific class dedicated to it 
exclusively yeah, yeah, so but it was part of the curriculum in our bi- in biology so the teacher did cover it to some extent but again like you said there wasn't really a conversation about it in the school that i taught like i said there wasn't a curriculum and there wasn't any professionals telling or teaching students about it in any age group maybe fourth or fifth standard some might deem too young but for the older grades at least the teenagers there was a no conversation of the sort just so understanding yeah even for me it was only reproduction process mm-hmm. of reproduction no, yeah. nothing about consent and maybe not a lot about there was something about contraception but mm-hmm. it was all theoretical no practical sort of things like this step one this is what you do second that yeah. you cannot just even if i don't think the society wants it but even if some section of some society in some place wants to like not want teenagers to have sex you cannot just wish them away you have to teach them you have to assume that it is not possible yeah and you have to like give them education about a lot of things about contraception and a lot of things yeah so as a doctor harshit mm-hmm. have you ever been in a situation or seen a patient a situation with a patient or, or in your immediate vicinity in a hospital or in the healthcare sector of where a lack of sex education has had a huge impact on a patient or a person that you've seen around yeah so that's why i used to work in basically the emergency department in a large government hospital so we used to get cases of teenagers or basically like 16 17 year old kids with missed pregnancies and they used to walk into the emergency room because that was the only time where they could come in when their parents wouldn't know right. yeah they you couldn't just so if you want to go to the gynecology sort of your yeah department you have to like wait in opd and blah 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 and you basically have to spend whole day and they used to just like request and ask you if they can like talk to you and what about the financial aspect there should be a fee to that has to be paid right and especially with young younger girls there might be an issue with how i mean where they're getting the money from to pay for a consultancy or so i've always worked in government hospital and in delhi you don't have a fee for right. uh, so there's no fee for consultation there's no fee for medication and there's also no fee for any basically all of the tests which are done in house these people they used to usually come and what it also depended if there was a friendly gynecologist around she used to yeah. do a urine pregnancy test and maybe tell you something and uh, then they used to proceed and eventually this was all because of the lack of sex ed part yeah. if you would know what contraceptions to use and what you could do you could have handled it better and not come in uh, like when you are two months into your missed cycle and you are coming so it also becomes a little difficult Uh, how do you want to proceed yeah so earlier before we continue our conversation let us take a short break and then we'll come back hey listeners welcome back to our episode of atp i have my colleague lia with me we were talking about sex ed we wanted to eventually talk about sex ed in school we were describing how what is the current situation what are the dangers we are facing because of lack of sex ed and what exactly sex ed is so continuing our conversation lia 
I what I have read and what I think data indicates is and whatever rulings I have read and whatever curriculums I have gone through, I don't think there's a concrete proposal to add any kind of rudimentary sex ed to any. I'm not talking about biology lessons. I'm talking about sex ed in which they teach you how to navigate things. They teach you about sex and they teach you about everything related to sex. I don't think there's a sort of a solid component added to the curriculum anywhere. Yeah. I recently read a Kerala High Court ruling. This is 2022 and 2023 also there was some follow up on that. The court basically is now telling the executive to include some kind of sex education in its curriculum so that children now at least know. So Leah, so we were talking about how, what are the advantages of like good sex ed? Can you like elaborate a little on that? What do you think? If we introduce sex ed into the curriculum, what will that lead into? Well, it definitely, according to studies I've seen, uh, it definitely leads to safer sex practices, decrease in sexual activity in the sense that it's more moderated and... Right. So with a better or a inclusive and comprehensive sex ed curriculum, adolescents and young people are seen to freely make informed decisions on all matters related to their sexuality and reproduction and therefore they do require sex ed and that's why we know it's tried and tested and that it works it's about execution i think at this point in schools it's about execution but we also want to introduce that in curriculum right yeah yeah and in fact the central government had developed the adolescence education program the aep in association with unicef for the implementation in all secondary and higher secondary schools of which the objectives were to ensure the integration of a sex education curriculum in teacher education courses was to organize activities for life skills developments to help students acquire an authentic knowledge base about reproductive and sexual health, including HIV AIDS and substance abuse, and also inculcate in students essential life skills to develop healthy attitudes and responsible behavior towards reproductive and sexual health issues. So basically, they also added a component about sexual transmissible diseases. Yeah. 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 yeah, that should be a part. That is, I think that is also taught uh, covered in some extent to basic biology 101 about reproductive system. Yeah. So AEP means adolescence education program. Yeah. I think there were some certain hurdles in that program and they started it one time in 2005, shut it in 2007 yeah, or 8. There were objections to, on the grounds of it, there being explicit content and I think parents might not have been comfortable with it. But how can you teach sexual education yeah. without there being sexual education in the content. <laughs> I think that is a cultural hurdle that we need to figure out like how to overcome. I think more conversations need to take mm. place day to day, open conversations. For example, for on my part, I talk about menstrual health and menstruation mm. very openly amongst everyone. Mm. Just as a way to remove any discomfort or uh, I mean I do it in a comfortable way or I try to anyway such that there's no taboo around it or discomfort where someone doesn't like to hear about it Um, and that's just something that I do on my part I don't know how effective it has been 
but uh, what do you think about that about your interventions or sex ed in yeah <laughs> so no. uh, about having conversations openly yeah i think for that to happen you should have at least some evidence and science basically logic yeah. around sex ed to be taught to school children uh yeah so i think it's quite important i did think one of the first ways to go about is everything happens in sort of education in india first it goes via cbsc or ncert yeah. so maybe an explicit intention to introduce sex ed and then a module which talks a lot about sex ed maybe you have uh, maybe it's part of biology maybe it's part of maybe it's a compulsory module that you have to complete when you when you're in 6th or 7th class but once i think ncert puts it in its curriculum then eventually i think it would be adopted by a lot of state boards but i'm a little unsure that how a coercive government sort of a measure a top down approach would go with a lot of parents would go with schools will the teacher be willing to teach it what if the student goes home and tells her parents that this is what they taught this is what they have been taught will the parents object will they i think for instance the uh, adolescent education program was also shut down in the middle because of a lot of parental pressure yeah yeah so i don't have a clear idea in my head mm-hmm. how do you prevent how do you make it more acceptable in society mm-hmm. maybe with uh, adolescent program you also have adult sexual ed programs yeah. in which you emphasize more on consent maybe more on women friendly sort of behavior maybe more on genders and less on the biology and but but also that but less on that so maybe more on awareness sexually transmitted diseases contraceptions anatomy in general there was actually a film that came out on netflix a few years ago called period end of sentence where it's based in uh, the name of the community is i mean it has slipped my mind but basically there's like a menstrual health crisis as it were in that community because the use of sanitary napkins wasn't really a practice there and then so they were they were using cloth and then the cloth was discarded in which contributed to the landfills and a waste in the in the community and so uh, a man uh, taught them the, a group of women who were willing so built an entrepreneurial venture as it were in manufacturing organic cotton pads sanitary mm. pads and selling them to people within the community and in neighboring villages as well and i think it not only empowered the women themselves but also made them more i feel it made them more comfortable with a process that is only natural whereas it's perceived as taboo whereas yeah. the men in the, in those women's lives got more involved in it they wanted to know what was going on mm-hmm. and so through that like a sort of it became like a percolation of understanding and education through this venture that these women were on so i think it is possible in an organic way in a unsuspecting way as it were to introduce um, i think then the conversation based. just boils down to like what are the prevailing social norms and yeah but i still think that it's a even if you don't focus on it lack of resources and everything else yeah. you cannot bring a lot of social change from top down but i still think 
educating maybe adding to the curriculum and making sure that the teachers at least make a little effort maybe teacher training added to teacher training programs teachers at least make an effort to teach it to the children maybe the parents don't accept it don't accept it maybe they should be eventually they'll become okay with it maybe yeah. remove whatever the teacher uh, the parents think are more objectionable things and maybe just treat them the bare basic minimums so then that would be a good stepping point to introduce the curriculum starting with maybe cbsc and maybe if the supreme court ruling plays out nicely maybe from down south and then eventually it percolates upwards and spreads to the whole country yeah for sure but yeah i still think it's something which can be taught and something which should be taught because of two reasons first of all we have the highest population sort of now i think we are about to cross china's population yeah. and second of all because now and oh yeah surprisingly the latest government national family health survey data the fifth one says that our total fertility rate is 2.1 which basically turns out to be the replacement rate it's i think 2 and 2.1 is the replacement rate in some way don't quote me on this it's somewhere around that but yeah i think eventually if our fertility rate falls a lot and we don't want a small working class population supporting a large dependent population we have to have this conversations and then you modulate how many kids you want to have how do you want to have them and how do you want to raise them and a lot of things yeah yeah definitely raises a lot of questions yeah so i think that concludes our conversation in a way yeah i think there are no easy answers in bringing a cultural and social change yeah to this issue but i think it is a worthwhile sort of pursuit and it has a lot of benefits and maybe it will ruffle a few feathers and who cares <laughs> but it the benefits far outweigh the whatever the costs are yeah for sure, sure. thank you leah thank you so much ashish for coming to our podcast and we hope that you'll be a repeat guest in a lot of our podcasts I hope to be. <laughs> yeah. Thank you listeners for chiming in. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. If you liked our show, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network. You can tune into them on the IVM podcast app, ivmpodcast.com, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow IVM on social media. The handle is @ivmpodcasts. on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And hey, if you'd like to dive into Takshashila's research on technology, strategy and economic affairs, check us out at our Twitter handle at @takshashilainst or our website takshashila.org.in.